0: Weekly debrief about anything and everything happening in fashion and pop culture with Cosy and M. I'm M. And I'm Cosy, And we are the Beckhams' biggest fans, and I can't yes. talk about that right now. What are your wrecks this week? My wrecks this week. Oh my
1: gosh. Okay. I've dialed it down a lot, and I only have two this week. First of all, get thee to Uniqlo like ASAP for the Sofia Coppola Uniqlo collaboration. And they have t-shirts and a little tote bag that have like quotes and things from the movies. So I went last week, I've been waiting for this to come to Sydney for ages because it's been overseas. I got the Uniqlo app the other day, which is incredibly dangerous to me. And then I saw them and I gasped so loudly at work that one of my colleagues thought there was like actually something wrong. And I was like, (laughs) no, 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 it's just a Sophia Coppola range at Uniqlo. And she was like, oh, my God. (laughs) And so I went to Uniqlo and I got one bling ring shirt and one Marie Antoinette shirt, which I'm actually wearing now. And there's also a Lost in Translation shirt and a Somewhere shirt. Oh, and I also got the tote bag. I felt like I was like a mother of five in the (laughs) apocalypse, like buying all the cans of tuna. I was like, I need the shirts. No,
0: Uniqlo shirts and tote bags are unpilable. I've
1: never bought a t-shirt from Uniqlo before. And can I just say, truly groundbreaking. Truly groundbreaking. So comfy, so flattering, so nice. The thick crew neck delicious so that is my rec get to Uniqlo
0: they ASAP. do really good collabs and also like themed collections like this one like they yeah. just hit every time
1: they always do my mum and my aunt have always been obsessed with they do um like collaborations with Inez de la Frassonde, who was the Chanel muse in the 90s and they would always buy Uniqlo and Inez stuff and it always we are
0: Uniqlo fans
1: we are so that's my first rec and then my other rec is this fantastic movie on Netflix called Fair Play with Phoebe Dinever from Bridgerton she was Daphne in the first two seasons of Bridgerton and she is playing this kind of high powered woman who's in a relationship with this guy uh, called Luke and her name's Emily and they work at the same hedge fund company and relationships are banned and they get engaged but it's all secret no one can know and then Emily gets promoted to a job that her fiance thought he would get and it's sort of like this erotic thriller about their life together that's secret and their life at work, she sort of becomes so successful. And he's like, no, I support you, I support you, I support you. And then he slowly, slowly becomes more and more resentful of her. And it's oh. sort of the breakdown of their relationship. It's really good. Is she English in it? or No, they're both American. But oh, weirdly, okay. it's filmed in Serbia. I found that out today. But yeah, it's set in New York. And it's really good. I watched it on Friday night. And I was like, no, I have to have an early night. I will watch half of this movie. <laughs> and then I got half with you and I was like, I will watch 20 more minutes of this movie. And then it just sort of got to the point where I was like, I'll be going to bed late tomorrow to finish this
0: movie and it was really really good and I really enjoyed it so those are my two wrecks for this week one note on Phoebe Dinavar. in my head she's her character in Younger the cutie little Irish oh, girl oh yeah see I never got up to her in Younger I had to I stopped I, that's reasonable I understand. And then she's Bridgerton. Oh, okay. And then she's Pete Davidson's random fling. Oh, that was so
1: weird. Those photos (laughs) of them at Wimbledon will haunt me forever.
0: Yeah, I really like her.
1: And I thought she was fantastic in this. And I thought Alden Ehrenreich is really great as her boyfriend. And he was also in Oppenheimer recently. So what about you, Emily? My
0: recommendation this week is kind of two-pronged. The first is the latest episode of How to Fail with Elizabeth Day. Love her. Which love the pod. Had a real moment a few years ago. I feel like I dropped off for a bit, but this episode was with Jerry Halliwell, aka Ginger Spice. We love her. My second recommendation is a written interview between Jerry and Dolly Alderton in the Sunday Times. So highly recommend both of those things. She's currently doing press for her new like young adult book i saw i thought it was like a children's book yeah yeah it's something to do with i'm like i don't care about that talk about spice girls and your husband exactly but sorry i do love like a pop star to author progression but i was interested in just listening to her speak because i find the jerry halliwell story so interesting she is a fascinating character the episode itself was very calming And I just kept coming back to the chaos of what has led her to here. So, Jerry left the Spice Girls in 1998. It was super abrupt. Like, she just left the tour hotel randomly. No one could find her. It came out in a memoir that she was struggling with an eating disorder at the time. But there was also speculation that she and Mel B, Scary Spice, had an intimate relationship, which broke down kind of the same timeline. Oh,
1: I didn't realize it was around that time.
0: Mel B has basically confirmed it, didn't she? Yeah, to Piers Morgan, of all people, in mm. 2019. So fairly recent. And so Jerry then went on to have her solo career. She had a kid. Oh, yeah. Bluebell. Bluebell Madonna or whatever.
1: I love that her name is Bluebell Madonna. I think that's so sweet. It just
0: makes me so happy. Jerry's since come under fire for being pro-Thatcher. People call her Tory Spice. It's a whole thing. Tory all Spice? Yes. <laughs> I love that. And that leads us to today. So she's currently married to Christian Horner, who is the team principal of Red Bull Formula One team, which is like the dominant team at the moment. So she's in the press quite a bit with Christian, who I don't really like. But No one seems to like story. him.
1: All the, I mean, all the people I know, one of the girls at work who is super into F1 is not a huge fan of him. I have no
0: context, but. He's just a, a rich sporting Englishman. But that is another relevant messy fact that I want to get into because they went public with their relationship about six months after he had a child with his partner of like 14 years or something. Oh, what? So people have always speculated about whether there was crossover. I mean,
1: I'm thinking there might have been, but we don't know.
0: Yeah, like every part of Jerry's life, like her family, her relationship, her career. Everything has been pretty spotted and quite chaotic. Mm. And then you listen and read these interviews and she's an author. No drama. Quiet life. Her accent is closer to posh.
1: And in the Dolly Alderton thing, like it says that much has been made of her accent
0: and that she has these traditional values. And she, another thing about her is she only wears white ever. In photo shoots, she'll wear like shades of light beige and white.
1: So she'll only ever wear white ever. Only
0: ever wears white which Whoa. just adds to it because I think that's a very wealthy thing to do, but I love it.
1: I like that. Yeah. I like anyone who has an enforced aesthetic exactly. like that.
0: I think it's kind of fun. I could never do that. I would oh, get no, too dirty. I would spill everything. At least you don't have to separate your colors and your whites. You just... No, that's true actually. it's I wear a lot of darks, so yeah. it does
1: make it a lot easier. I'm like sheets are white, uh, clothes are
0: dark. Like Jerry Halliwell does her own laundry, but... But yeah, when you know all of that background, the podcast and the interview were good to listen and read to understand what she now wants to represent. And I think the Times profile especially added a dimension to that because Dolly's writing is very witty and nuanced, and she, it's like she's alluding to alluding to different things. Jerry's layers, yeah, yeah. So yeah, if you want an interview with. An endearing rich woman.
1: Yeah, she's so interesting. Like so interesting. There's parts of this where she's talking about, oh, she's yeah, she met Judy Dench recently, and they were quoting The Merchant of Venice together. And she's reading a book on physics, and the last
0: thing she studied was Hamlet. She's so multifaceted, and it's very much like a character. Like this is what she wants to portray to the world. Mm. And so she's she's gone. We've had the drama. We've had the chaos. Let me just have my little like English countryside mansion life they have a stable for like 14 horses or something it's a far cry from her early spice girl days but that's why i love it it's like i love when you know the background about something like chaos
1: girly is done refined f1 wife country i've got 17 horses and i frolic around in my hunter boots thing (laughs) going on i love that she's also like she says it took a village to raise bluebell she credits her close friend george michael for helping her in the early days i'm like I want to credit my close friend, George <laughs> Michael, for helping me.
0: Imagine. That's just my nanny, my babysitter, George Michael. Literally. I, I sound like I'm ragging on her, but I actually just liked the interview. Like, it was very calming. It was very... No, that's nice. ...women talking about English things. Anyway, that leads us into our first topic for this week, which is Beckham. Oh, my God. We're both so excited about this. The Netflix docuseries. It's about David Beckham's life in football until now. I went into it thinking... I'm not that interested in football, but I just want to keep up with the Same. Beacons. I wanted to be
1: a part of the cultural conversation. And also I was like, I need to watch it for this episode.
0: And I lost my mind.
1: I loved I it. loved it.
0: It was amazing. It was directed by Fisher
1: Stevens. Oh my God. This is the biggest mindfuck ever. So Fisher Stevens plays, if you watch Succession, he plays Hugo, who's the kind of sleazy, slimy comms guy on the Waystar Royco team, who also used to go out with Michelle Pfeiffer.
0: In the 90s? In her prime. This is like Catwoman, Michelle Pfeiffer era. So he's got our respect. That's Fisher Stevens. And I liked how it was directed and produced because he will just interject with like a super casual comment that gets the interviewee to talk more and that interview we might have been David Beckham his parents were in it his parents were so good
1: I loved his mom the series is four parts it apparently took 45 hours of interviews collated over a two-year period there are so many people involved in this as like Alex Ferguson Eric Cantona Diego Simeone the guy from New Water Gary Neville
0: Anna Wintour Anna
1: Wintour the family Except for the children.
0: They even interviewed the menu new receptionist who was there for over 50 years. I love
1: that. And the kit guy, like the guy who got all their uniforms organized. And there was like a whole bit on all the different suits they wore, which were terrible. The
0: unsung heroes of the series, I thought. I loved the receptionist. She was so sweet. Kath Phipps. She testified to the amount of like fan mail and love letters. And underwear he, he got underwear. Sent. The docuseries Darling
1: that's a very good way of putting it but it yeah it covers everything really from his childhood and how his dad was so obsessed with Manchester United and all of the amazing there's so much like early footage of him playing yeah where he's a little little kid in a Man United kit and it's so nice to like know the ending and to know what happens
0: I love those stories where it's a Typical, there's pure talent and passion, and it turns into something. What more could you want?
1: Literally, because I and I feel like we both have said this like, we both didn't know much about his actual football career. We like knew he was, you know, the biggest footballer in the world. But to be fair, like a lot of my information from him literally came from Bender Light Beckham and other things that were sort of more about posh. I wasn't really sure about him as a footballer. I was like, yeah, he does the thing, he bends it, whatever. And then I actually, you see him bend it, and I lost my mind. I was like, he really does Spend it. I was watching it with my with my flatmate Tom who's like obsessed with football and he was like, You are so
0: embarrassing. <laughs> I was like, Yeah, that's fair. We aren't sports girlies, and neither no. is posh. Her first line in the whole series is I'm not into football. And I think that's beautiful. And I believe that.
1: And I back that. I but I have to say at the end of this, I was super into football. That when he scores that I was about to say he scores that try. You know, <laughs> oh my god. I love sport. When he
0: scores that goal from the halfway line. I can appreciate a good sports moment when everyone mm. just agrees that it's talent, it's wonderful, it's skill, it's yeah, a moment in time.
1: And I also loved how all of the guys, because they they really go deep into his teammates as well. They talk to a lot of people, particularly Gary Neville, who was his best man at his wedding to Victoria and other people. And in the early days of him on the team, they would always joke and say, oh, David would get his paycheck on the Friday and then he'd spend it all by the Sunday because he loved nice things. And I love that little bit. There was like this little bit when he's like my Rolex watch, my Gucci. Like that's a terrible (laughs) accent, but he's like my Gucci jacket and whatever. He's like, yeah, I just like my stuff.
0: If you're listening to this and going, I don't care about football, why are you recommending this to me? It is for us. I think it's the perfect demonstration of where sports kind of intersected fashion. Sports fashion fame. On a global scale. Yeah.
1: I don't think I realized how big they were. And then there was this bit when Gary Neville was like, I don't like saying it, but they were basically like the new Charles and Diana. <laughs> <laughs> and I was Did like, that well. you know what? It's actually pretty, not on par, but it makes sense as a comparison.
0: Especially in that British context. Yeah. The amount of press they were getting. I feel like all I knew going into this was that he was a football player. Yeah, He was good, cheated on posh. Allegedly. Allegedly. It's
1: not, it's basically, they confirm it in this documentary, let me tell you. It's such a non-answer answer. I hate it. But it's which an is
0: very consistent for him like he's never fully denied anything like he's always vaguely skirted around it and he and victoria they were in doing separate yeah they were never in the same room yeah for their for their interviews and they both basically said it was just a really difficult time for the couple and the family but i think the way that it was produced insinuated that the rumors were true
1: It definitely did. I think Fisher never went in and specifically asked. And he says he didn't interview with the Sunday Times and said, you know, it wasn't pleasant, but we got into it. For me, I approached it as how did your marriage stay together? You'll see how he responds. In terms of the cheating question, I told David when I agreed to do the film that we would have to discuss the accusations of infidelity they faced in Madrid. So, but it was, he basically says, I'm interested in how it affected his marriage and his family and his playing. How did he keep it together? All of it. How did you get through it? That's the theme of the series, which I think is fair enough. But then in another review I read, it was kind of talking about because you said you thought it was so great that Fisher was very involved. And I agree. But he said, it was striking how Stevens allowed his subject to skirt this subject alone. That kind of vagueness on a key topic weakens a documentary. Did the filmmaker become too close with his subject? Or worse, was he too intimidated or enamored? Which I thought was an interesting point.
0: It is. And I love thinking about director talent dynamics when watching things like this. Because I know I would just be sitting there in awe going, oh my God, tell me everything. Yeah. And just accepting heavily pr
1: well, that was answers. the thing and a lot of it wasn't heavily PR. They got they did get into a lot, but to just rewind, like when Beckham moved to Spain in two thousand and three, to play for Real Madrid, there were reports that emerged of him being seen with a mystery woman. At the time, Victoria was in England looking after uh, the two kids, Brooklyn and Romeo. Then, in two thousand and four, the news of the world, of course, reported that David was having an affair with his personal assistant, Rebecca Luz. Shortly after, Luz was fired from her position as David's assistant, and she came forward with her own side of the story. She then told the News of the World that she slept with David multiple times and exchanged explicit messages and calls as recently as a fortnight before the reports came out. She then agreed to a tell-all interview with Sky News where she claimed the pair first slept together in September of 2003. Then some other women came forward and both alleged they slept with him in 2001 and 2002 respectively. So a really
0: big deal when you're the world's power couple, you're the new Charles and Diana, everyone's rooting for you and that comes out. I did kind of want them to touch on Victoria's side a bit more. Like she too. was very heavy on the. It was really, really hard as you expect. But I would have loved to see her go into the fact that she copped a lot of backlash for his actions, despite being back home in England, yeah. raising their children so that he could live out his athletic prime.
1: Yeah, because all she was doing at that point in time was moving cities for him. They moved to Spain, then they moved to LA, then they moved to Paris. Every time she just have to find new schools, find a new house.
0: I would have loved to hear her genuine thoughts a little bit more. I think she skimmed the surface.
1: I don't reckon we'll ever
0: get them. No. But I would have liked it. But that's part of their power. I think that that's how they've stayed this kind of rock solid couple in our eyes. And
1: it's a, you know, at the end of the day, like it's a great documentary, but, and they do go into the negatives and stuff, but it's very much like an ad for brand Beckham. Not an ad maybe, but, a. No, I think an ad I can't think of another word for it like kind of a showing of how great
0: I think they are. I think it's recontextualizing the family in the 2020s like now their kids are grown up and yeah. they're doing their things. Yeah. And I didn't know a lot about David Beckham. I also didn't know a whole lot about the Spice Girls, so it was good they included a lot of like archival footage of That the was girls really on tour. cool. Yeah. And I really enjoyed a lot of that because all of that was kind of before I was a s- around sentient being
1: yeah and I also think like the fact that now we read more about Brooklyn and Nicola Peltz Beckham I'm like I don't want to read about them
0: no I don't want to
1: read about them I want to read about their parents yeah and that was what I thought was quite nice it would have been really cool to hear from Brooklyn at least but also I'm kind of glad that we didn't because he's so cringe that I think it would have just actually embarrassed me to hear him talk
0: Yeah, if they'd included him, we'd be sitting here being like, why was he there? Yeah, yeah, no matter what, he can't win. But Uh, I really enjoyed the series just as like, I feel like it charted the rise of sports and celebrity as a joint concept and sports and pop culture and fashion as something that's intertwined and interesting and can be taken seriously as one. Instead of being like a very, sports, especially back then was very male fashion was seen as a female topic.
1: And I think as well in the fact that he says that he was the, and it kind of makes sense, like he was the first footballer to have those proper big brand deals where he could only wear Adidas, he could only do this and that. He was making these really big moves off the pitch as well. And I loved that there was a whole, you know, six or seven minutes devoted to the time he wore a sarong.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. All of that's really important now because now we have influence. We That's how... Athletes now make a lot of their money from doing these brand deals and collabs and yeah. wearing certain brands and seeing that that was all kind of instigated by David Beckham and I know Michael Jordan was a bit yeah. in fashion before that. Same, and same, been other but realms. like, but
1: different. I think in terms of like football, particularly in England, I think America's yes. a different kettle of fish. But I think in England, particularly in football, I don't think this was seen before. Also, something that gave me a huge jump scare was, so the era of the Beckhams I remember the most is when they moved to LA, when he went to LA Galaxy, and Posh had the kind of white blonde bob with the really aggressively parted hair, and I forgot that they were best friends with Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes and the Smiths, and seeing the six of them together was the biggest jump scare of my life seeing katie and she and posh had the same hair she had the short hair too and i had completely forgotten about it
0: it's such a good marker of time it was
1: such a good marker of time i felt like i was looking at my favorite boy band being like i know exactly what year it was i know exactly where it was (laughs) when this happened
0: all i kind of knew from that era was something i've seen on like social media later and it's the clip of because Victoria did that show coming to america yes and yes, she I remember that. there was a part where she goes to the dmv to get a license photo and it's like what kim kardashian did with the full makeup this and everything. year yeah. yeah except victoria's in there with the public and going oh don't like that can we change that oh my god. Oh my god. i love her i've seen a lot of commentary people saying like oh my god i didn't know she had personality but she's always she was did you ever watch that um Interview
1: the Ali G, like Sasha Brown Cohen did as Ali G. David, like Beckham, just laughs the whole time, and Victoria absolutely just gives it back to Sasha Brown Cohen as good as she gets. It is so funny. It was nice to see the side of her.
0: She was funny, and they were playful, and it's they just were cute. A lovely. I don't want to use the word intimate because I feel like that's like a loaded term but it was an intimate look at their family and their lives yeah until
1: now. no I think that's fair enough we've never really seen them interact beyond pictures yeah. and paparazzi stuff so it was nice to see that dynamic
0: question mm. if if I asked you like think of a power couple who would you think of like right now yeah oh, I feel like we're a bit a biased good, right now
1: that's such a good question I don't actually know who I would think of no one's I mean Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively spring to mind but I don't actually like them as a couple that much I find them a bit overexposed and cringy Mm. what do you think of
0: the only name the only one that i've thought of right now is the obamas
1: (laughs) yeah literally you've said it and i'm like who even is a couple i have couples that i really like and i root for and i'm glad they're still together like paul bettany and jennifer connolly would i consider them a power couple not really they're just a great couple who i hope never split up i think that you could say beyonce and jay-z are a power
0: couple oh i hate him i hate him too thank you for saying that (laughs) zendaya and tom holland I think that's the most power power couple I've. I don't know seen in the modern context. I can
1: context. I can see it. Oh, Georgia and Amal. Oh, George obviously. and Amal. Oh my God, what? Jo- it's George and Amal. I'm sorry. human rights queen. Yeah, I'm that, so sorry.
0: That checks out.
1: And I would say Emily Blunt and John Krasinski. But I I've, I've got to be honest.
0: Oh, have you seen the rumors that Chris Hemsworth and Elsa Pataki have split? It's all just rumours at the moment.
1: I did see a thing about which Chris has split up with his partner. Yeah. And I, I was like, maybe it's Chris Pine because he was going out with Annabelle Wallace for ages. And I wasn't really sure about that.
0: But they had very I recently know. split. I think it was a DeMoyne submission. Oh, okay.
1: Now I'm just seeing a Hello Magazine thing. And it's just said, Chris Hemsworth documents solo trip with daughter as he spends time apart from wife Elsa Pataki. I'm like, wow, yes. the
0: subtext. And earlier she took their other kids on a holiday to like Japan or uh, something so people have realized that they haven't actually been spotted together fairly recently and received a submission saying one of the Chrises has split from their wife I love that and I mean Chris Evans just got, just married. got married yeah Chris Pine broke up not too long ago Chris Pratt is
1: oh I did read that they're not happy but the- <laughs> but we don't know we don't know <laughs> <laughs> just I'm going to say I heard it from my friends <laughs> They're not happy Oh my god, I'm on this 40 of the best power couples And Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton <laughs> No, Babes, no well, Who are the others? Diane von Furstenberg and Barry Diller Which is n- no Penelope Cruz, Javier Bardem um, Katy Perry and Orlando Bloom They still seem weird to me Me too Oh, this is clearly an old list Joe Jonas and Sophie Turner Jason Momoa and Lisa Bonet Who are oh. both broken up Oh, Justin and Haley are not a power couple. She needs to get out of there.
0: Another one that still doesn't click in my brain, but I love it, is Zoe Kravitz and Channing Tatum. I, I think don't that's a power know couple.
1: about that. I don't know. I I rewatched *She's the Man* last week actually, and I really mattered my love for Channing. And then I see a picture of him in real life, and I'm like, you're just not it, mate. Like I don't know. I love her.
0: I love her. I love him. He is a very good comic actor. I think he's wasted on drama.
1: I mean, he's great at drama, but he's got great comic timing.
0: When I think about the movies I love him in, it's like 21 Jump Street. Like the I real... movie.
1: 21 Jump Street and it's it's She's the Man every time. It's the unparalleled comic genius of Amanda Bynes and Channing Tatum together and all the supporting characters. Not a foot was put wrong in that movie. Not at all. They're all on their A game. Nailed it. Okay, I feel like we've gotten off piste, but that's okay. I just wanted to say one last thing about... Beckham I loved I know you've got you've gone more into the fashion pop culture side of it but I really loved the sport part of it I loved the game the game footage when he kind of be off it and then Gary Neville come in with a voiceover being like David just wasn't feeling it he was distracted you know he was up late calling Victoria but then a certain point of the game happened and he just switched." And then that he'd go on to like totally smash the game and win. And then the music would change to like some really upbeat, like fun rock and roll song. And he would just totally win. And it was insane. And I just felt like I was watching the climax of like every sports movie that I've ever enjoyed. And I just I just loved it. And also the bit when he shaved his head. Yes. And it was like a big fuck you to Sir Alex Ferguson.
0: I loved the drama. I loved the drama too. I was like, who cares if he shaved his head? Like I know him with a shaved head. I actually didn't recognize a lot of the really young photos of him with like a a, a mop of no, hair. No,
1: and he had the the funny teeth before he got the veneers. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's like a rat of passage for English.
1: Yeah, celebrities very sweet. And I'd seen him actually before all of his tattoos. Yeah, it was that threw more me. More surprising to me, it threw me when he took his shirt off and that he was just there was nothing on his
0: arms, being completely baby face, like no stubble. Yeah, and clean skin just threw me off completely it it,
1: it was the no tattoos that threw me and then when he started to get them on his back I was like oh yeah it's David that's that guy (laughs) yeah that's that guy but that really surprised me to be honest more than more than anything else but I think we've erred on this topic for a beautiful amount of time I think we could both keep going but we've got other things to get onto most importantly that Beyonce has announced a new concert film which I hope that everyone who's listening to this knows she's announced a new concert film based on her massive tour for the 2022 album Renaissance so Variety first broke the news that she will be having this film coming to cinemas around the Renaissance world tour and it's really really exciting so she just performed 57 dates that just finished in New Orleans and the trailer looks awesome it's like her rehearsing with Blue Ivy, who's a dancer on the tour, which is really, really cute, and you see Jay-Z, and the little twins, Rumi and Sir. And it's basically just going to be highlights from the world tour, documentary footage of the album's recording and the tour's conception and hopefully long-awaited music videos because there's, there's a lot of rumours that there will be a renaissance visual album. And it's going to be huge, I think. The last concert film she did, I think, was the Coachella film Homecoming, which I was obsessed with.
0: I have never actually been like a, an involved Beyonce fan. Like, I love her. I respect her. I enjoy her music. But I I don't think I've ever watched produced concert media.
1: Did you watch Homecoming? No. You've got to watch
0: Homecoming. Well, why? So it I'm genuinely
1: gonna... like changed the way I saw Beyonce and concerts and Coachella. I reckon... I listened to that live album the most the year it came out was which was like I can't remember 20 something I it was amazing like the way that they filmed it so she did two concurrent weekends and they filmed on both of the weekends but one weekend she'd be wearing like all pink and then the next weekend she'd be wearing all yellow and it would switch in between the two and visually it looked amazing and the big band she had this big and i mean i just i can't <laughs> describe it. like you just i'm describing it really really badly because you just have to watch it like it's amazing and when she when the destiny's child girls come out and they sing say my name so it's like it's the act it's music. it's the act it's the whole concert okay and it, and it was also behind the scenes of her conceptualizing the performance and okay. her okay. costumes and what she wants to do with the band and the choreography and what song will jay-z come out to Sing with her uh, and when will the Destiny's Child Girls come and who will take the lead on this song and who will take the lead on that song? And, yes, yeah, so that's my little Beyonce
0: spiel. For me, I've just never watched a concert tour I, and I don't really watch, like, acts live. Like, I don't search it up. And Oh, really? T- yeah. I don't know. Actually, that is a lie. I watched the Kylie Minogue showgirl tour because oh. –
1: Wait, did you go see her or you watched it online? No,
0: I watched it on DVD because I think it was one of the first DVDs we ever owned. I would have been like 5 and it was my sister's and we pro- we might still have it.
1: I've always been a huge concert watching person. So I feel like it's probably yeah a difference between the two of us.
0: Taylor Swift is doing a she's concert yeah. Reviews, she? So
1: this is not the only concert movie news we have. So Taylor Swift is also doing her own concert film of the Eras Tour. And we've got about a week until the film comes out in the US and here actually, because it's coming out on the 13th and the film has surpassed $100 million worldwide in advance ticket sales, which is insane. So it's playing at AMC locations in the US and it's playing everywhere here and it's coming out on October 13th to coincide with her lucky number because her lucky number is 13. She's born on December 13th and it's going to screen in Over 8,000 cinemas across 100 countries. And it will play at least four showtimes a day in America. Is she eligible for like an Oscar or something? She's actually just been inducted into the Academy.
0: Okay, So I think she's
1: definitely angling for one. Because I think she wanted to get a short film nomination for All Too Well. Oh, that makes sense. But she didn't get one.
0: Okay, because that was longer. That was the 10-minute. Yeah, that was the 10-minute version. Plus because it was the film clip.
1: Yeah, I reckon it was like, what, 15, 20 minutes? I reckon she wants to go full EGOT. I don't know if she could get tony but give her
0: time i mean she's got like 60 years left of her career
1: yeah i just i just can't imagine a can you imagine her doing a musical on stage
0: let's not mention cats (laughs) (laughs) i forgot about that (laughs) i think that theater is having a bit of a bit of a revival like Mm. especially in the uk like we've seen taylor russell on stage recently we saw paul mescal doing a streetcar named desire recently
1: it's just all of the big celebrities going back to the stage
0: and i think and i mean there are others who have been involved on and off the stage like sarah jessica parker i mean she got a start on broadway so it's a bit different but i genuinely think she will ride this wave we might see her on stage
1: yeah well because sarah jessica parker and matthew broderick are starring together in the uk sarah snook's about to do go to the uk she's about to do the picture of dorian gray
0: amazing she's about to
1: do that which i saw in sydney which was um with erin Jean norville which was amazing and she plays every single character So Sarah Snook will play like 42 different characters. Wow. actually mad.
0: I'd love to see that. So yeah, theatre's back.
1: Theatre's back, baby. You definitely didn't hear it here first, but hear it here (laughs) now.
0: (laughs) Hear it now from us. Do you think Harry Styles will do a... I really hope not. I don't know. I've seen whispers on TikTok and stuff of people seeing someone filming from particular angles or with particular cameras or something that seemed a bit more produced at his most recent tour, which went Mm. on for like... Fifty years, it felt.
1: I'm sure he'll do a film of the tour. Mm. I feel like it's inevitable at this point.
0: Will it be as big as Beyonce and Taylor Swift? Do you think?
1: Probably on par with Beyonce, not as big as Taylor. I just don't think anyone is matching her right now. The way that she's doing everything with this concert, with the tour, with the
0: reshaping the NFL, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) like putting Travis Kelsey on the map. What can't she do? And she's also in the middle of her touring, whereas Harry Styles has stopped for a little while. That's the thing. The hype's died. It's also really interesting because we, especially with Harry Styles, we kind of saw the whole thing on TikTok Mm. and it was the first big ongoing, like global phenomenon post-COVID. So everyone was well into it.
1: I don't think, yeah. And you would see everyone every night getting ready, doing their outfits, making their
0: outfits. It was a moment, it was an event and it was the first of that TikTok generation's moments and events so it was massive so I feel like maybe we've well we
1: saw all of him on TikTok but when everyone's seen Taylor on TikTok I feel like I've seen the whole concert I think that's sort of it and I I do have this feeling that she's going to change up the tour for Australia and the rest of the world she's so in her head and nothing's a coincidence and I think she would have waited I mean she loves money too so maybe she wouldn't have but I think she would have waited to release it until the end of the tour If she wasn't going to be changing things.
0: She's not going to dish out the same thing night in, night out.
1: I'm convinced that she'll be changing it up. Again. Don't quote me on it.
0: You heard it here first. You heard it here first. Or you heard it here now.
1: Don't, yeah, don't quote me on it. But I'm, that's what I'm thinking. That's just what I'm thinking. And
0: what do you think about the rumors that she is doing things to change the PR narrative? I love this story. For example, someone pointed out on TikTok that when you Google Taylor Swift jets now you get lots of news about her and Travis Kelsey and her in the NFL mm. whereas before you got news about her carbon footprint
1: no I 100% agree with this and I think that she is resetting that algorithm
0: it's such a testament to her level of fame because mm. only a handful of celebrities could just do anything and people catch on it so quickly yeah. that you can rewrite the news
1: I find it fascinating and I feel kind of bad I'm like how horrible would it be to have to do that for every single thing you do
0: I'm sure there are celebrities who wish they could do this kind of thing okay we have to refer to our next topic over the weekend, a documentary aired on Binge called The Ringleader, The Case of the Bling Ring. And it's the first time we've heard anything from Rachel Lee, who was kind of the instigator
1: of the bling ring. Yeah.
0: I'm going to throw to Cosy because she's like a bling ring encyclopedia. So if the bling ring is ringing bells. This is why.
1: Oh, my God. OK, so... This is really exciting. So, as Em said, we've never heard from Rachel before. We've heard from other members of the Bling Ring, including Nick Prugo and Alexis Nyers, but we've never heard from Rachel, who was the alleged ringleader, mastermind, whatever we want to call her. This is really, really exciting, or it is for, for us, for me. And I was I've always been obsessed with this case. I've always been obsessed with the movie that Sphere Coppola made in 2013. As we were talking about the Sphere Coppola, Uniqlo collaboration before, I have a bling ring t-shirt. I'm not wearing it tonight, but I did wear it yesterday and last week to work. I can't overstate the importance of at least that movie in my life. And (laughs) there was a really fantastic article in Vanity Fair that came out by Nancy Jo Sales called The Suspects Wore Louboutins, which was all about a deep dive into their lives, not Rachel's because she wasn't doing any publicity, But I was so obsessed with it that I did my year 12 HSC English essay with that article as the related text in the conflicting perspectives module. So it's been in my life since at least 2014, but it's just really big. So this documentary was made by Erin Lee Carter, who's done, she's more of a true crime girl, which is really interesting. She did a film about Kim Wall, the journalist who was murdered on the submarine. She did a documentary called I Love You Now Die which focused on the Michelle Carter case and Mummy Dead and Dearest which was focusing on the Gypsy Rose case. So it took her about a year to get Rachel on board with this documentary. Rachel was sentenced to four years in prison and set free after 16 months. As we said she was known as a mastermind and ringleader of the Bling Ring. She disputes this and she said she said that she didn't and doesn't relate with the Hollywood version of The Bling Ring at all, the Sphere Coppola movie, and what was sort of all of the other members, not all of the other members, two of the other members, Nick Prugo and Alexis Nyers, did a lot of press coverage and made it into sort of a Hollywood story, whereas Rachel was literally, like, in jail, and she got the harshest punishment out of all of them, served the most time, did the most, but it was really interesting to hear about her perspective, and, you know, she... Moved to Calabasas. She's Korean. She grew up in a predominantly white area. She was addicted to Xanax. Her family was not super stable. Her parents separated when she was one. Her dad was sort of around, but not really around. Same with her mother. And she met Nick Prugo at this school called Indian Hills, and which is like sort of a school for kids who have trouble staying in a traditional high school. They bonded over feeling like outsiders, and they started to kind of – search for ways to rebel or ways to like have a high in their life and they would start searching for cars that had been left unlocked to just go through them and then they started to quite smart of them look up addresses of celebrities and then work out via social media when the celebrities would be home and they would start to break in so they broke into Paris Hilton's house, Rachel Bilson's house, Lindsay Lohan's house, Orlando Bloom, Audrina Patridge And I think it's, like, at the root of this is so much celebrity worship, which is they wanted, she wanted the things that these celebrities own. She said, I didn't like my world going into a celebrity home and trying on their stuff. I was able to live in their world.
0: Totally. I feel like at times a lot of the commentary surrounding the bling ring being a group of kids doing silly things, Mm -hmm. the commentary has been very, But what fueled this? What fueled their urges? Why would they do what they did? And to me, as someone who became a teenager just as Instagram started gaining popularity and just as everything started going digital and prolific and exhaustingly image-based, I've never really wondered why. I feel that's because the beginning of social media changed the way we perceive each other and the way we perceived coolness. Totally. And our metrics of what's popular and what's hot. We got to see new arbiters of what's popular and what's hot in celebrities and I just think it's a very intriguing world I can only imagine how that would have looked to like a socially isolated slightly rebellious teen oh totally.
1: in LA oh and I think even just the geography of living in LA I would find that so incredibly stressful as a young adult young person who is interested in the culture of celebrity and fame. It's like, you're so close, but you're so far away.
0: Specifically during this time, I yeah. feel as well. Like,
1: oh, they started stealing in 2008. So this is right in the time of Lindsay, Paris, Britney, all of that is, is is going off. And I think if, yeah, if you were celebrity minded and you felt like an outsider and you were in LA, it would be an absolute nightmare to be like, I'm just going home and hanging with my friends, but I could be out there with these people totally this. and i feel like i've found that when i've gone to la too i'm like i'm just like in this airbnb like i'm just going out but where where are the people
0: where are the people that we see on our screens where are the people that, that i want to see have all of that yeah. money and fame and notoriety and totally it also coincided with intimacy culture
1: it's the social media aspects and i think like and they would post on myspace wearing the shit that they stole yeah. Not smart, but I can see why they did it because they were so caught up in it. it's like you go to Paris's house and no one knows you went. You have to tell someone. Someone's people. gonna know if you're wearing her bag on a picture of you know, in a picture of MySpace. But I thought it was really interesting. She came across very like she'd learnt her lesson, but also she would keep lying in interviews. So the director would keep stopping and being like, Are you telling me the truth? And she was like,
0: No. And it finished the whole thing wrapped with the director saying do you feel you lie unwittingly sometimes yeah and she said well yeah and that's because she had created so many stories they'd created so many stories it's been so long since she was high most of the time and she was also a teen so that combined with everything else it's a really interesting watch
1: I think it was interesting that she even could identify that she was lying because I feel like so often and I think she even calls herself she's like I don't I didn't even know if I was like a sociopath or whatever because it's I feel like if you are like that you can't identify that you're lying you just see that as your truth
0: yeah totally but
1: I think the fact that she was emotionally intelligent enough I don't know if she is emotionally intelligent but it seemed that way that she could identify that and she's like I just lie about stupid little things I try not to but I just I do and I think it's just a habit yeah it's like she was addicted to Xanax she's X amount of years clean off that but she's not clean off lying But it was really interesting. I thought she was a very kind of sad
0: character. I found myself a bit confused because I wanted to pity her. But at the same time, I didn't want to.
1: I felt pretty bad for her.
0: I felt bad for her when you come back to it. They were kids. Yeah, literally. Yeah. And kids do stupid things. And when you combine that with seeing sneak peeks at celebrities lives because they're posting on social media and kids at school wanting things and doing things that you don't have so but you can get them if you commit crime at the same time they touch on this a little bit as well the rise of the nothing celebrity like people yeah, who the were famous, famous for, for being famous yeah, yeah. exactly and yeah. the fascination with socialites who didn't have traditional careers no, just go to parties it's the old not bad for a girl with no talent, Yeah, as Kim said. Classic, so yeah. when you've got that mixed with everything and just being a kid and being a kind of unruly kid.
1: And being in LA, I just think it would be a nightmare.
0: It's a different world. And also it's a real, I think it's a real pocket of history. Like you wouldn't see this now to such a scale and you wouldn't have seen this before. No. So I think watching it, I felt bad for... Rachel, that she was in this time and all of her circumstances aligned so that she was yeah it was a kid. Ine- it was inevitable. Some, she was going to do something like this, and it sucks that it was stealing.
1: I think that's a really good point, actually. Yeah, all the stars sort of badly aligned for this to happen,
0: and she went to jail for it, yeah. which obviously yeah, she committed crime.
1: Like her friend, so like Nick, the other guy who was sort of the co-conspirator, co-leader of the bling ring, he went to the police and ratted. On Rachel and all the other members of the bling ring and he didn't tell anyone obviously but then she was in Rachel was in Las Vegas and then with her family and Nick called her and said oh just checking what your what your address in Las Vegas is and Rachel was like oh random okay it's this and then what 30 seconds later the cops rock in and He had gone straight to the cops and said, Rachel was the leader. Rachel did everything, which is fair enough. She did, you know, she came up with the ideas, but he also was part of it and he was trying to absolve all responsibility and just put it on her, which I think is pretty unfair.
0: He threw her under the bus and because she hasn't done any interviews and she's remained quiet for all these years, we have seen her as that calculated mastermind. So I think that's why I was confused about why I pitied her because I was going, no, she is a thief. She is a criminal because that's what the media has pushed for so long. And yes, part of that is true. I know that.
1: Oh, she is a criminal. Let's not get it wrong. But like Nick was going on GMA flouting this whole thing and there was no chance for her to speak back partially she chose to be silent which i think was an incredibly smart move
0: oh totally and alexis Nyes has had this successful career since oh yeah i mean she has a podcast
1: (laughs) i don't don't know successful career is the thing i would say but alexis Nyes was part of the bling ring a bit more separate i think she was not as involved and that's what sort of comes into the documentary but she was a big part of the Vanity Fair article the suspects wore Louboutins and she had her own reality show called pretty wild and there is this hilarious video of her and we'll post it when she calls Nancy Joe, the journalist she calls her to talk about the inaccuracies of the article and says you said that I was wearing six inch Louboutins to my court hearing that's so wrong I was wearing two inch brown baby shoes you fucking bitch and it's like this whole unhinged phone call, but the the phrase "Nancy Joe, this is Alexis Nyer is calling" has become quite a big meme. I had it as my Instagram bio for a few years. <laughs> um, it's very iconic. But it's very iconic. But Alexis and Nick sort of became the bigger figures, whereas. Yeah, Rachel kind of faded into the background. And she
0: copped it all. Oh, she copped it all, 100%. It wasn't spread out between them. No. Nick has changed his name now. He went from Nick Prugo to Nick Nergo, apparently. Oh, I don't like Nergo. No. He
1: sounds like a bad case. He Before they broke into the celebrities' houses, they broke into one of Nick's friends' houses, which I found really horrible. And apparently the friend, his parents weren't born in America so there was this whole thing about how he said oh my parents didn't trust the American banking system so they kept all their cash under their bed and all of their cash was stolen and it was really horrible but then there was this really funny bit that he said that he'd spoken to Nick recently this friend and he said I would never let him into my house again but I would go and get sushi with him or something (laughs) and I just thought that was the funniest thing
0: no that's a good way to describe people I think like I definitely have a whole category of people where I'm like yeah I'd get sushi with them wouldn't put would them in not, my space
1: <laughs> I would not get sushi with the man who broke into my house no
0: literally and also years later like 2015 he was charged with stalking nick yeah and solicitation to commit sexual assault what wow so, I don't know if he was convicted, but oh he's a shady, shady character, but that, he got off.
1: That is fascinating because he was painted in such a sympathetic light in the film. Yes. And I always felt really bad for him. I was like, oh, he's just a bystander. He's been taken in. And now I'm like, nah. They they're all just as bad as each other.
0: This documentary was very much see the motives of a mastermind. Yeah. When, in actuality, they were all just being dumb together. They were being dumb kids. She just stayed quiet.
1: And also... All of this is very triggering to me. But the amount of time that was spent on photo booth photos on a Mac
0: computer. Actually, a lot of footage. And it was just them like trying things. It on was just them at posing
1: and stuff. And I was like, oh, I remember doing that when I was like 12. <laughs> it was really I was like, oh, I remember these filters. But and something else that was very, I thought kind of funny, but also what the hell? They went into kind of the legal side of the case And one of the cops, actually not one of the cops, the lead detective of the case, (laughs) who was assigned to the Bling Ring case, he was a consultant to the Bling Ring film, but he never told any of his superiors or anyone at the LAPD. And he made a cameo in the film. He was paid 12, no, he was paid over 12 grand to act in the film. He was the cop who arrested Emma Watson's character. His name was Brett Goodkin. His involvement with the film was uncovered by the LA Times. And the DA said the conflict of interest completely shredded his credibility which led to all of them getting reduced sentences. And then when they all got their reduced sentences the judge was literally like you have Brett Goodkin to thank for this. His fuck up has meant that you will be getting out of jail a lot sooner.
0: What an LA side story though. He loved the drama. It was
1: so funny. He wanted in he wanted his name in lights. Oh my god I loved it. And I just yeah I mean I love the film. I think it's it was it had a big impact on my life it's sophia coppola it's, it's sophia coppola
0: young girls doing young girl things. and it was just
1: like emma emma watson's first post harry potter bad girl role when she plays nikki and there's just so many good lines like let's go to paris's i want to rob you're stressing <laughs> me out i will say i constantly speak in hyperbole but i make no mistake that i when i say this film rewired my brain I think it's probably one of the most important films I've ever seen. And the opening scene gives me chills every time. It's just such a good, it's just such a good film.
0: A wonderful film. Watch it. The documentary, the documentary has 25% on Rotten Tomatoes, but don't listen to them. They don't know what we're talking about. Bastards. 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 Go and watch it. They don't understand how important this sequel is. Go
1: and watch it. It's on binge. Bastards. Speaking
0: of the bling ring cinematic universe. Yes.
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. So as you might not know. In the bling ring they actually filmed at Paris Hilton's house so she was robbed she was one of the victims but she lovingly opened her home to severe coppola for the film and now more big news for Paris variety has confirmed that her recent book Paris the memoir has been optioned by A24 also the production company who did the bling ring they want to adapt her memoir for the small screen no writer or star is currently attached to the project but queens L and Dakota Fanning are attached to executive producer series under their Llewellyn pictures banner and Paris will executive produce which is I'm beyond excited
0: that's the dream team I hope they cast Dakota yeah I Elle was gonna say who do you want to sisters. play Paris I think L. okay oh yeah I, th- mm, I think Elle because I think she's got the the high voice from Paris when she was in the spotlight. That's the most. true, and she can do the low voice. Yes, she yeah. can do both, and I think Dakota would make a perfect Nikki. She's kind of got the harsher looks. Wouldn't
1: that just be insane if they I need them? it? I but- want, I want a recreation of the Bimbo Summit. Yeah, them in the car. I want young Kim K in the juicy couture suits. Who would you I cast want- as Kim? I don't know who would you- I have i i can't my brain is like i can't think of her being played by anyone except herself
0: yeah because she's so standalone surely they can just age her backwards make her like an ai her no maybe yeah. not no no make her look No, i'd hate that
1: i don't know i have to think about it i was thinking maybe sophie turner for paris
0: okay i see it or like i'm just i'm so hooked on the idea of like no the sisters I, would playing sisters. I would love I would love
1: Elle. and i also think that they should do an entire episode of paris creating her self-titled album paris one of the greatest albums of the 21st Absolutely. century I want a whole montage to Stars Are Blind. I just, yeah, it's I, I'm really excited. I lo- In popular opinion, I really like Paris. Obviously, she's created an incredibly toxic vortex that is her legacy, but we can't deny that she's a huge part of pop culture and everything that she talked about with the abuse that she suffered uh, in Provo at the boarding school is a huge part of her story now. She's also one of the world's most successful DJs, which I find hilarious and <laughs> good for her. Girls get it done.
0: Okay, speaking of TV, et cetera, The Hollywood Reporter released their list of the 50 best TV shows of the 21st century. We have thoughts. And we have thoughts...
1: They agreed that any show that had episodes airing after New Year's Eve of 1999 was eligible for consideration, even if that show first premiered in the 20th century. So for example, The Sopranos was eligible, but only for the five seasons that aired from 2000 on. Same with Buffy. It was eligible, but it lost three and a half seasons because it was prior to
0: 2000. I always like lists when people say this is This is what we think, but they're kind of implying that this should be the objective list.
1: Yeah. Oh, when we go through it, it's, I reckon when you get to the top five, it's definitely an objective list. I think you can mix and match a couple of those numbers, but it's definitely like the big men shows of television, which I love. I love big men shows. Great. So we'll start at number 10, Bojack Horseman. I hate adult cartoons. So this was a no from me. Yeah. Number nine, Freaks and Geeks, Gone Too Soon. Loved it. Hate James Franco. Number eight, this one surprised both of us. Girls?
0: I feel like they threw this in or someone walked into the office while they were making this list and said, why don't you have this? So they were like, oh God, we probably need like a woman in the top 10. Very, very random. I love girls.
1: I love girls too, but I was not expecting a at number eight. Not when Veep was like 32 and other th- shows were not as high.
0: And I would argue that Sex and the City was number 50. I would argue that it was more culturally impactful than yeah. Girls.
1: The fact that Girls is number eight in Sex and the City is number 50 is insane to me. No. Then number seven is Better Call Saul. Number six is Reservation Dogs. Number five was The
0: Wire. Classic fair. Classic allowed. man show. Great show. Number four was 30 Rock.
1: Interesting uh, comedy in like thrown in there.
0: I agree that it's a wonderful TV show. I didn't expect to see it in the top four. Mm. Mm. number three succession yeah makes sense nothing more to say number two the Sopranos
1: I was shocked that this wasn't num- that The Sopranos wasn't number one it always is
0: number one Mad Men thoughts feelings
1: so I've never watched a full episode of Mad Men no never I've never done it I really want to and I know I'll really enjoy it
0: I just say that you know. can't hear my my jaw dropped
1: yeah I've watched more Sopranos than I've watched Mad Men so I feel like I can't really comment on this
0: I love Mad Men, but it was a little bit before my time. It was the kind of thing I watched when I I was 18, 19, I think. I I liked it. I enjoyed watching it as a TV series. I didn't realize that it would make number one on a list like this.
1: I always say it's like one of those things I'm going to watch when I retire. I'm like, I need to stop (laughs) saying that because I've got a huge list to watch when I retire. I was intrigued by this list. And so we were inspired to make our own list, our own lists of our top shows for our lives Whatever it is, like the impact, how much we love it. I think we both struggled a little bit to condense.
0: When we say we wrote our own list, this was just before we jumped on mic. Yeah. So we are terrified that we've forgotten really big important and, TV shows. And
1: if we do forget a TV show, we can always bring it up another time. I think I've got my at least top five. But it, this is a hard one to, to pin down because I think TV shows are there for you during different points of your life. And, you know, as teenagers, we wa- we both watched a lot of, you know, you know I don't like to use the word trashy. But trashy teen shows and then you kind of mature a little bit later and different shows mean different things to you at different points of your life.
0: And I feel like when you're young, something means the world to you. So now we look back on it, we're like, oh, my God, that changed my life or that was super important to me, even though if we watched it today, we wouldn't. Look at it twice. No.
1: And like, I remember waiting for episodes every week. I'd have like, I would write down my list, like my schedule on a little palm card, and I would have it on my desk. Oh my God. I and know. be like, okay, on Thursdays, it's Agent Carter. On Tuesdays, it's Rain. On this day, it's Shameless. And then that would be like how, and of course, Pretty Little Lies was in there as well. What are your top shows?
0: Should we go 1 1? 1
1: one, I, 1. Yeah. Okay.
0: Mine aren't in order. One of my favorite ever top TV shows, Fleabag.
1: Yeah. See, I love Fleabag, but I've never rewatched it because it, it packs too much of an emotional punch for me personally that I could never go back and revisit.
0: But I do love it. I get it. And I love Phoebe Waller Bridge. I think it's wonderful. I really don't have a whole lot to say because I think it's perfect. And if you haven't watched it, I watch mean, you it.
1: Ju- if something's perfect, you just can't. You can't keep talking you about can't it. You can't break it down That's
0: or it. you'll overthink it and you'll yeah. yeah, hate it.
1: So mine is Ugly Betty. I love it so much. I haven't watched Ugly Betty and I know no, that I really so need to.
0: When I think about like Total Girl, Mag and like Girlfriend Dolly, oh, yeah, yeah. I think about America Ferrera because she was everywhere and they were always including something about Ugly Betty, yeah. but I never actually watched it. I think I was, I was slightly too young and then it ended. Well, guys, it's on Disney+.
1: Plus. Everyone should watch it if you have a chance or if you're interested it's just the way they hit tackle like family issues and just so many other topics is just really, really good.
0: I'm sold.
1: What is your next one?
0: Normal people. I feel like that's a recent one.
1: Recent and angsty. Changed my life. Did it?
0: Angsty, you reckon? Yeah, so angsty. I feel like in my head I have angsty in one category and like just downright emotional in another. The way that their
1: whole... Like, the whole show could have been sold if they'd had, like, two conversations. Yeah. I did love it.
0: But that's the fun of being emotional. <laughs> An yeah, emotional it was, it was very,
1: like, of that moment in lockdown when we were all, like, emotionally not in a good place.
0: It was definitely a moment. And then we were able to consume a whole bunch of, like, Paul Mescal Daisy Edgar Jones interviews after because they were all... They
1: were all in lockdown. In lockdown. There nothing else to that's do. all we had to listen to to consume would have been so weird for them to be famous in lockdown though
0: oh totally and so then, weird coming out and the whole world just loves you yeah
1: mad and that photo of him in the shorts do you remember that i, I remember that like it was yesterday we'll post
0: that photo it was amazing just kind of imagine going into lockdown and then coming out and everyone's seeing your bang oh yeah oh my god yeah i love normal people I, I do get that
1: my other one is gossip girl i feel like no conversation about television could be had with me without talking about gossip girl. I'm
0: going to put that as one of mine too.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair and I mean I feel like we can't. You can't not.
0: Gossip Girl is it truly changed the course of a lot of people's lives, I think. Such a discussion point, so culturally relevant still. I remember when I first started watching it, my sister had given it to me on a USB and I like plugged it into my little tablet. And the way the files were saved, I accidentally watched episode 10, which is the Deb Ball Oh my God, you watched the
1: Debutante Ball. You would have had no context. You would have been like, who is, what is happening? I was so lost,
0: but I was obsessed. The
1: Debutante episode is next level. And is that the episode when Lily's on the phone and that's when Apologize starts to play? Yes. Yeah. And he's, and then Rufus is like, I never should have let you let me go.
0: So if you haven't watched Gossip so Girl, League, you need to get into it. Sorry,
1: that was just with absolutely no context. But <laughs> if you've seen it, you know exactly what I mean.
0: Watch episode 10 first if you just want sort to of shake things Sorry. up a little bit.
1: Just please watch the first episode. It's the most iconic piece of television you'll ever watch. Gossip Girl is a big one. I also love Downton Abbey, basic. But I think there's no other show that does character moments quite like Downton Abbey. I've watched it many times. I'm in the middle of re-watching it with Charlie, my old housemate. And I've cried multiple times watching it she thinks I'm unhinged but I I just love it it's such
0: a good show I feel it's a very you show
1: it is a very me show it's just fun it like starts in Edwardian England goes all the way to the what late 20s then there's the two movies you don't really need to do the two movies but <laughs> season two is still my favorite World War One I. I don't have much more to say about it I think it's the perfect show
0: I think my next one is Succession yeah I yeah. just don't think there's been a tv show with that level of writing for me that humor Mm. yeah and that kind of context just love it
1: I mean it's amazing
0: I won't recover Jerry's supremacy
1: I'm really sad that I knew what happened like at the end of the first season before I watched any of it I really felt like I could have done better to avoid those spoilers yeah
0: I came to it late I think it was same it was either before season two or season three that I started watching and then I was hooked
1: I did all three seasons before season four came out because I started watching it ages ago and stopped watching it because I couldn't really get into it, and I was like, I just can't. This is so hard. This is my Mount Everest. And it was like I had the same thing with Game of Thrones. And then I finally something clicked, and I just got into Succession.
0: I haven't ever watched Game of Thrones. I so it took I know. It Looks really scary for me.
1: It took me ages to get into Game of Thrones, and even then, I didn't get into all of it. I was I watched the whole thing, but I was just it was a it was a slog.
0: It's one of those things I can acknowledge that it is important to culture.
1: Yeah i agree with that and another one of my favorites is a bit of a random one but the mindy project with mindy kaling and chris messina it's a little fun sitcom half an hour episodes i think they're half an hour uh and it follows mindy who is an obstetrician in new york and it's just her love life and all the people at the place that she works and everyone who's everyone in comedy cameos and she's just fucking hilarious Her, the way she talks, the way she speaks, what she says is my like inner monologue at all times. (laughs) I love her so much and it's got one of the best, at least not the last couple of seasons, but the, I think the best, one of the best love stories in the first few seasons at least. Then it gets a bit iffy at the end, but banger.
0: I think Mindy Kaling, I know she's very, very famous, but I still think she's underrated.
1: She's so underrated. Thank you. I don't think there'll ever be a day where I like, I want her to get all the appreciation
0: but I just feel like she's not there yet. She'll have her day. And everyone will going, why weren't we talking about Mindy Kaling? And we'll be sitting here. She's so funny. She's so funny. She's truly wonderful. My next one, speaking of funny. And I feel like these are all very 2023. It's okay. Rex. And I know recency bias, whatever, but White Lotus. Again. Yeah. I love Mike White. I love what he managed to do with this show. I enjoyed season one like i watched it i was, I was gonna th-
1: say were you season two did it get you in
0: i loved season one like when i watched it yep but season two is my favorite and now whenever anyone comes to me and says no but i tried to watch it and i couldn't get into it yeah i tell them to watch season two first and i feel because there are themes like season one is about race and power and, and money wealth and how they all intertwine and
1: the next season's definitely about like sex and power yes yeah
0: And I think Sex and Power is easier to sell and easier to watch. And it's more juicy and fun. Oh,
1: yeah. Definitely more like scandalous. Engaging, scandalous.
0: So, yeah, if you haven't watched it, watch season two, watch season one. Appreciate the universe that Mike White has built.
1: Just appreciate Mike White. My guy, he wrote School of Rock. What's more to appreciate? And he gave that great speech at the Golden Globes or the Emmys when he was really drunk. And he was like, everybody passed on this project. I know you all passed on it. (laughs) It's like, yeah, an icon. And one of my other favorite ones is, this is a Netflix recommendation, this really great kind of low-key rom-com series called Sick, And it's a very rogue premise of this guy, Dylan, who gets, tests positive for chlamydia in the first episode. And he has to go back and contact all of his previous sexual partners. And each episode focuses on his relationship with whichever partner it is. And it's really cute. It's filmed in Glasgow. It's very...
0: Oh, is it Scottish? Yeah, it's English. Oh my God, cute. It's
1: English, but it's filmed in Glasgow. And they managed to make it look all summery and lovely all the time, which is a real, you know, stretch. I highly recommend. It's a really good show. It's just like a warm hug of a show, I think. It's a nice, cosy... It's a nice, cosy show.
0: I think that got me over the line, calling it a warm hug of a show.
1: Yeah, it's something you rewatch If I'm packing for a trip or if I'm making my bed or if I'm doing cooking I can put it on
0: you just need noise and and... it's
1: just fun and great soundtrack and just very very of that time I think I was watching it when I was like 18, 19 and it was very much like the characters are growing up and finding their place in the world and that's very much what I was doing at the same time so I think it mirrored I didn't have chlamydia but you know it was a nice mirroring (laughs) of these people who were trying to find themselves and I was trying to do the same thing so
0: yeah
1: I think this is really good that I've only got one period drama in here so far
0: solid I think if we continue this forever, there would be many, many more. Yeah, have
1: we done five? Yeah. We should put... I reckon we should put our lists on Instagram.
0: Yeah. You Look had out. it here. We're going to put Look our out. lists We're going to put our lists
1: on Instagram.
0: And if you haven't watched any of these shows, I do the thing all the time where someone recommends something to me and I... I think my head, well, if it was so good, I would have discovered it myself and I would have enjoyed it myself. It's so annoying and I don't know why I do it. And I can see it when other people do it to me. Yeah. But please, if you haven't watched any of these shows, take our word for it.
1: Please go and just watch it. Take our advice. And we also have more shows. We have, it's very much extended
0: in our notes. So many. And it depends on like my mood and it depends on what I'm going through.
1: And also, it's depending on like different facets of your life. Like the shows that I watched when I was 17, like Pretty Little Lies, I watched every week.
0: Vampire Diaries, I've rewatched that a million times. Rain,
1: Merlin, The sk- Skins, The OC, like it's all very different, but it's very different to the person who's watching, you know, Downton. Not that different, but <laughs> like a little different. <laughs> She's still, you know, in I'm there. not watching Pretty Little Lies every week anymore, guys. That's TV. That's TV. And that's all because we've been talking quite a while it won't seem like that when you listen to this lovely finished polished episode but we've been talking for quite a while (laughs) we've had tech issues
0: we've We've had had tech issues scary we've just
1: been living our lives and it's been a little bit difficult (laughs) so we will be going for now but thank you so much for joining us and Please remember to rate, review and subscribe and just send us nice messages.
0: Follow us, download our episodes because that actually really helps apparently. Yes, we're on Instagram. We're on
1: TikTok now. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts and
0: Acast. And yeah, listen on everything and get our downloads Listen on
1: literally everything. Just tell everyone, you know. Love you. Bye. Love you. That's all. Bye.